Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we continue to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album and tour by speaking to the people who played an important role in its success. Joining us is dancer, choreographer, and actress Kelly Kono, who danced with Janet on three different world tours. Canadian soul, R&B, and jazz artist Catherine Penfold has released her latest album, Sweetest Thing, and gives us all the details. We also have new music for you to check out from George Michael, Crystal Waters, and Alessia Cara. We're so excited to welcome back to the Kelly Alexander Show, Kelly Kono. Kelly, thank you so much for making time for us today. I am so excited to be back, Kelly. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we haven't spoken to you in a couple of years. Like the last time was the 20th anniversary yeah. of Velvet Rope. And since our chat, uh, you got to experience the Hollywood Bowl. So we're going to get to that because I can't wait to get, um, you know, what sure. those, those memories were like. Uh, so I can't wait to get there. But I did want to bring you back to Rhythm Nation stuff. So first of all, I'm just wondering, um, when, when did you actually become a Janet fan? Was it when you first heard Control or was it earlier than that? I swear to God, it was actually watching the Rhythm Nation video. Wow. It was either Rhythm Nation or the Miss You Much, like that whole series of videos that, that you know, came along with that. But um, I remember watching it and seeing Lori Warner, one of, she was a dancer with like the high ponytail mm-hmm. in it. And, um, <laughs> and I remember seeing her in class in LA and I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to be one of those dancers. Which is crazy, because yeah. then I became one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cool, because I remember I we, we were lucky to have uh, Cynthia on the show a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah. she, and she said, awesome. yeah, she was super happy to be back, and which was great. And she said that when she saw... Um, she went to the forum to see the Rhythm Nation uh, tour mm-hmm. there, and she said that that was life changing for her. So, would you say, kind yeah. of like in oh a way, it was life changing for you to to see that video? And and like, did you say at the time, like to yourself, like I'm going to dance for Janet one day? Yes, I think I did say that. Well, I don't think I fully believed that maybe I could dance for her one day, but I think I said to myself. I want to, mm-hmm. like, I want to be like those, da- I would love to be able to dance for her one day. Did I really believe that it would happen? <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, and I never even got to see the Rhythm Nation tour. If I would have actually seen the tour, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I would have, I would have flipped, but I, I remember seeing the video at home on TV on much music and going, whoa, that's so cool. I, you know, I want to do that one day. Now, with regards to Rhythm Nation... Definitely life-changing. Life-changing, for sure. Definitely life-changing. And when it comes to the album itself, did you have a song right away that was your favorite song off the album and has kind of stayed with you? Mm, I mean, I loved Miss You Much. I'm I'm assuming that was on that album. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know the Rhythm Nation, what songs are on the Rhythm Nation album, besides Rhythm Nation, is the knowledge yeah. on that album. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I can't say one specific song, but okay. I just remember, like, I remember having, you know, Control was my very first experience and exposure to Janet. And I remember having the, the cassette tape yep. of Control. Mm-hmm. And I played that, like ridiculously a lot and danced in my basement. And then when Rhythm Nation came out, I'm sure I had it and had it on repeat for, I probably drove my parents crazy with 
that <laughs> listening to that album. It was just the coolest. It was just like the cool, like so different and fun and powerful. And yeah, it was like my, I don't know. I just, it, it definitely had an impact on me for sure. Now, when you started working with Janet, it was during the Janet album. And I kind of wanted to know, were you, because obviously, you know, the, the new album was out. So you had all the songs to learn for that album. And that was obviously mm-hmm. going to be the focus when you were out on tour. But was there mm-hmm. um, anxiety or whatever you want to call it, uh, or a little bit of fear knowing that you also had to learn all the Rhythm Nation stuff? And obviously, I think anybody, even if we're not a dancer, we know that those moves are super intricate. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't really remember ever feel, feeling fearful of it. I remember feeling very excited to learn it and ready to learn it and ready to, like, you know, carry on the the legacy of, of it. I just felt so honored to, be, you know, to, to learn it from the people that were in it. And, um, yeah, it was just... It was just super cool. Like, I mean, one of my very first jobs, even in Vancouver, Anthony Thomas uh, was the choreographer for a film called Stay Tuned and Salt and Pepper were in it. And and so that was my first experience with Anthony Thomas. I remember just being in awe of him then because he was the choreographer of Rhythm Nation. And, And I just loved his style. It just fit really well on my body. It was very intricate and detailed, but my brain was ready for it. And and so when we learned it with Janet, I was just ready. I, I wasn't really fearful. I think I was just honored to learn it and excited to learn it. And when you learned it, was it Tina that was teaching you guys for that, like for the Janet? Because obviously that was her baby, but like, was it was Tina? Yeah. If I, if I can remember, did we bring Anthony in? Um, I'm not sure whether Anthony taught us or... I think Tina did teach us. Terry Bixler was still in helping us out because he, yeah. So Terry would be there, uh, Tina, and I mean they knew it so well. Mm-hmm. Whether and I don't remember whether Anthony joined us. I don't think he did because I remember when we did the Hollywood Bowl, which I know we'll get to, um, being taught, you know, being reviewed uh, Rhythm Nation with. Anthony was a whole nother experience for me because there were things that we, I didn't know the meaning behind or like that. There was a story behind every move. Okay. That's crazy. So that, so that was cool. Now, yeah, and I wanted I to ask you too, because obviously I mentioned off the top that you, uh, you know, danced for Janet for a long time, three different tours. And uh, I'm just wondering, like, as the tours would go on and you kind of were a bit further removed from Rhythm Nation, um, you know, mm-hmm. the release of it, and then you would, would have these younger dancers. Like, did you feel a responsibility on your shoulders, Kel? Because I know, like, you know, you often helped with a lot of the um, the workload and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, was there a responsibility on your shoulders yeah. you felt to make sure the younger people got it? Oh, yeah. I would, I would always go back to the original video and make sure that we were, you know, if there was a question on where a hand was, like, I was very diligent about making sure that I did it justice because I would never want to let like Anthony down or um, uh, the video. So yeah, I definitely felt a responsibility and um, took it seriously and made sure the younger dancers knew how important this was. And it wasn't just another number in the show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was, um, it was, yeah, a huge, a huge um, job for me to carry on. And 
And I was happy to do it. I and, was honored to do it. Hello. And did all of those dancers, again, because they were, again, further removed from when the actual release happened, yeah. did they still get it? Did they realize? Because I think now that we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Rhythm Nation, there's like a resurgence of realizing how important that song was and that mm-hmm. album was, especially with the state of the world mm-hmm. uh, these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but was there a bit of like a mental check that you guys had to do with some of these dancers to be like, look, like there's a, a whole message behind this. There's a, you know, there's a legacy we have to uphold. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure if anybody gave us any type of like not, you know, not doing it full out or giving it importance or I I think we would have just squashed that right away. I don't remember anybody in particular having, you know, me having to do that. But I think I think it's so cool that it has it's coming to surface again and people are starting to realize because it really is timeless it's historical it'll go down in history it was life-changing for many people and it's still relevant Mm -hmm. and the choreography is not dated that's the that's the craziest thing like that's really hard to do like that's that's genius you know um i can still do rhythm nation i i I will never not be able to not do Rhythm Nation because it's just instilled in my body. I try to teach it to my own students to just keep it alive. And we even did it in my year-end show last season because um, I wanted to just teach it to the, you know, the younger kids at my studio. And they're just recreational kids, but they understood, you know, they understood the importance of it. And I made them watch the video and I made them study it and learn the lyrics of the opening. Um yeah, so it's kind of cool that it's still in my life to this day. Yeah, it's really interesting that you said that because we had Jimmy Locust on the show recently and he talked about, because he yeah. obviously has his own dance studio and and he talks about how uh, Rhythm Nation is still affecting his life to this day and just kind of the message of it. Cool. Uh, yeah, and so it's interesting to see like that it, it, it definitely has translated to many of the dancers that it's they still feel like a, like a responsibility towards upkeeping the legacy of it. I think that's awesome. And uh, I wanted yeah. to ask you too, like when you were initially learning the steps for it, um, you know, obviously, I know, again, the focus on the first Janet tour was the Janet songs. But for the Rhythm Nation mm-hmm. numbers, like, which one was the most fun for you to learn? And maybe which one was the most challenging for you to learn? You mean for which tour? Yeah, well, for probably for the like, Janet album, I would say, like, when you had to learn all those Rhythm Nation numbers initially for the first time, like, like which ones did you enjoy learning the most? And maybe was, was Rhythm Nation the actual most challenging one to pick up? Oh, yeah. I, I, I would say, I mean, I always looked forward to the you know whatever we were going to do because rhythm nation was always going to be in the show mm-hmm. so we kn- we knew that every time we did a tour we have to do rhythm nation but how were we going to switch it up a bit um whether it be costume wise or you know like they always were my favorite co- rhythm nation was always my favorite costume in the show like the first time and then we did we we did nunchucks like tina made us use nunchucks and we had to that was crazy challenging because you can't mess up like if you drop them you know what I mean like mm-hmm. you drop them yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to drop them but to do it in a live show every every concert there is a definite chance you might drop your nunchucks in the, in that section so that was really cool to, a, a great challenge for us and then every every tour that would happen you know I looked more forward to like the little breakdowns that would be a little bit different um and the costumes, like the one, the one time we had like Russian looking hats and it was, 
that was always one of my favorites in the show, I would have to say. And in the all together, like, I mean, Miss You Much is a very close second, but it, that that's more of like a happy, happy song where we just be able to like, you know, it, it, it didn't have quite the impact that Rhythm Nation had on the audience. So, um, yeah, it'll always have a special place in my heart and probably be one of my favorites to ever perform um, every, every tour. Yeah, and it's funny that you brought up the audience because I, it, I actually want to fo- follow uh, you on, on that line with regards to the audience and mm-hmm. performing Rhythm Nation because, again, you did it on so many different tours. What was the reaction? Because I, I know you guys are busy up there doing your thing, but I'm sure you obviously see the faces mm-hmm. of some of the crowd. Like, What's your take on the response that Rhythm Nation got throughout the years from the, the audience? It was just like a, it was like that, you know, that anthem song or that, that thing that just unites everybody. There just seems to be like, okay, so if there's a few songs in there that maybe somebody doesn't know, or maybe not as popular, like they still groove to it. But as soon as that five, four, three, two, one would hit the, it just took the audience to a, another energy level. You know what I mean? So it got loud and screams and just a wave of energy because everybody in that arena knows that song. And that that's pretty powerful. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Not many songs I don't think could, you know, spark that reaction. Well, maybe scream, but <laughs> well, there's a few. But <laughs> Rhythm Nation definitely they would go crazy for that. Okay, that's cool. And understandably. Yeah. Joining us on the show, a dancer, choreographer, teacher, and actress Kelly Kono. You can follow her on Instagram at K Kono and check out her website, <laughs> Kellykono.com. And Kelly's giggling, but I know it's because she's gonna post more on Instagram, so that's what's happening. <laughs> no pressure, Kel. I love that you're challenging me to <laughs> one a week. I'm I'm gonna try. I'm that's gonna it. Try. That's it. Baby steps. So <laughs> I have to bring you back now to two years ago, October of twenty seventeen. When did you find out that this wow. Hollywood Hollywood Bowl thing was going to be a thing? I remember, okay, Janet was on tour, I believe, at that point, and she was just in Vancouver. And I remember sh- hanging out with her in Vancouver before sh- her show, and she was kind of hinting to like something like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you. We have something in, we have something brewing." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Okay." cool and but she didn't tell me then and then I remember Solomon interviewing me and backstage and stuff and and then literally like I don't know a few weeks later she calls me and I'm getting off the ferry coming back home and she was like and she told me that that that's a that we she was going to invite all the the past dancers that have toured to come back and do Rhythm Nation and I was just like what I was so excited. I was so, I wasn't even nervous. I was just excited. Like, I was like, is this really going to happen? And she was like, yes. I was like, okay, I'm there. Like, I'll drop everything to be there. So it was, um, yeah, that was when I think she, she personally told me, which was nice because, you know, and and then I got a a call from her, you know, Jaime and, and her team, and I was like, yes, I already know. I'm down. <laughs> That's awesome. So, it was super cool. Yeah. So take us to that weekend. So like, did you fly in a couple of days early? Like, how did that all work out for you? Um, okay. I, can't, I still can't believe it's been two years. Wow. Um, yeah, I think they just flew me out and 
you know, I could have stayed at my sister's house because I've got lots of friends there and stuff, but there was, I just wanted to be with everybody. So they, they put anybody that was flying in from out of town at the, at, at a hotel that we used to stay at on tour. Like they still use this, this one hotel in LA. And so that was crazy to be back at that same hotel that I used to, you know, be there staying on tour and then um, going back for that. And then, yeah, we all, it was very cool. Cause I got to like meet up with Tish and cause she was staying there and um, Cynthia joined us and, um, we were reviewing the the choreo in my hotel room before we went to the actual rehearsal. Um, but yeah, we just kind of dived in. As soon as I landed, it was it wasn't a trip for me. Per, like it wasn't a personal trip for me to go visit my nephew and my family. It was I was fully focused on just being fully merged in the experience of being back with everybody. And what was it like when you launched into that rehearsal? Because I know at first, you know, because we've had Anthony and Terry on the show talking about it, and it sounds like initially there wasn't supposed to be that many people, but then, like, everybody showed up. Oh, yeah. Um, I I mean, I, I was just, I was so ready. I was so excited. I mean, I was lucky. Be- I'm... I was lucky because I, I remember the choreography. I didn't have to have the stress of not remembering it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas some people haven't done it for a long time, right? So, so like, they're having to kind of relearn it and get it back in their system. I, I didn't have that stress on me. So I was just, like, I, I was just enjoying every minute of it. Uh, I, I don't think I didn't have a smile on my face. I was very serious about trying to do it you know, take any notes that Anthony had for us. And, you know, it, but at the same time, every two seconds, a new dancer would walk into the room and then, you know, all concentration would break and we'd be all hugging. And so it was, it was a little bit of everything that day. It was um, really special. What was it like for you at the party that I know Janet threw for you guys, like reception, whatever you want to call it, where you guys all got to hang out? Like, what yeah. did that feel like being sick? Especially because, Kelly, you've been on, like, so many different tours. So, so you had a wide scope, I think, of knowing yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, of people. Yeah, because we really, like, you know, I felt like I really knew everybody. Um, I'm sure it was a different experience for people that, you know, were on one tour and don't know the other people personally. But I think once you've danced for Janet, you are a family and um, you're a Janet dancer and it didn't really matter. And it was really nice to come to come together and catch up and, you know, just we're all in different stages of our lives, right? right now and and so what you know you lose touch with people but it it just was a way to go hey we spent we spent some really cool times together and I was so thankful for Janet for doing that for us like even having that night it wasn't just about going to rehearsal and going to perform at the Hollywood Bowl that night was more special than anything where we're you know of course Janet's style being in the most swanky hotel rooftop in LA like the most gorgeous setting you know food and drinks galore it was just like just how she would always treat us and and everybody was everybody was very kind and um and sweet to each other and it was just it was really sweet I I loved I loved that night and it was um I'll thank her I couldn't believe she did that for us and well 
Yes, I can. <laughs> that's what she does. <laughs> I uh, when we had uh, we had Nikki on the show not long after the event happened back in 2017. Again, cool. she was, she was sort of doing her uh, her chat about Velvet Rope then. And when I was chatting to Nikki, and I know that you guys are, are really good friends, um, she actually got emotional mm-hmm. during our interview because for I think oh. for, yeah, like for a couple of reasons. She, and she kept apologizing for being emotional, but I was like, of course, this was special for you. But I know that like her daughter got to see her for the first time on stage. And then I think also yes. there was just the fact that Nikki got to see all of you guys again and to see Janet and all that sort of stuff. So I'm just yes. wondering, like, is that um, did, was that pervasive amongst everyone? Like everyone was kind of like emotional and just like so nostalgic, I oh, guess. Yeah. And great, yeah. OK. Oh, yeah. I lost it a few times. Like I just couldn't. And it was just it was just like tears of just like pure joy. You know, like, I mean, I even get worked up about it now. It's thinking about it because you're just like everybody's just so grateful for the experience and, you know, we, we all did it. And I'm sure there's parts within each one of us that wishes we can turn back time every once in a while and, and ex- just experience that part of our lives. Cause it was really awesome. Like it was just a great time. So why wouldn't we get emotional about thinking about it and then seeing each other and making and seeing that everybody was doing so great and, you know, have families and her, her daughter gets to see her on stage. Like like Janet gave people an opportunity that we would have never got to do. Like my nephew was in the audience watching me on stage. He has no idea. I mean, I think he had an idea that I was a professional dancer, but he's never seen me personally because I'm not a professional dancer anymore. I'm a choreographer and actor and, but he's never seen me perform with a major pop artist on, on the Hollywood bowl stage. So that was, you know, she gave us these crazy, this crazy experience to relive. Like it was like, it was like back to the future, Mm -hmm. I guess It, it was just a really cool moment that we all will never, uh, forget and will cherish. And, I don't think any of us really wanted it to end. <laughs> yeah, I think Tina said that she would have actually hit the hit the road if Janet had asked her <laughs> for a couple of days. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think eat everybody on that stage would have. Can you speak a little bit about like because again, you know, fans are listening and and they love Janet for whatever reason that they love her. Uh, there's and there's many to yeah. you know reasons to love her, but knowing that you're her friend and and you know again you dance with her for mm-hmm. for so many tours. Like, I don't think any other pop artist or either any other artist could have pulled this off with what she did with that Hollywood Wood Bowl performance. And why do you think it was important for her no. to do that? Why do you think it was important for her to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Janet's been one of those artists that, you know, has really given so much importance to her dancers and the people that shared the stage with her. And she really, you know, she was a dance, she is a dance artist and a dancer herself. And so I think she's really been, I mean, the only artist in my life that has treated us the way that the best way possible that a dancer could be treated, you know, um, and that shows a lot about how much she cares about her dancers. So I think it was just her way of, again, saying, you know, her appreciation to all of us for, cause, because Rhythm Nation would not have been Rhythm Nation without all those dancers as well. So it was, it's just a mutual respect and, um, and everybody, 
feels the same. I really truly feel that everybody feels the same way. And that's why everybody showed up, you know, or most everybody showed up and the ones that couldn't be there, there was a very good reason why they couldn't be. Mm -hmm. But, um, I don't, I don't really see any other, I can't imagine any other artist that has cared so deeply about their dancers. I'm sure there are in their own way, but she was just by far, I mean, everybody wanted to be a Janet dancer because mm-hmm. they knew how we were treated. Yeah. We were treated like celebrities and like her, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We weren't just the dancers. We were like her with her. And so that, that, that will always be something that I've been like, also like, it wasn't good enough to just dance for Janet and be able to tour the world. Like then we also got treated so well. Yeah. I feel I like I won the lottery 10 times. Wow. And can you, I guess I know our our time's almost done, but I I did want to ask too, like when you are a Janet dancer, like it almost seems that you are part of a fraternity or, you know, a sorority or whatever you want to call it. um, That just is like a Mm -hmm. lifelong thing. And so I'm wondering like when you were at that Hollywood bowl, um, you know, a weekend, Mm -hmm. even if you hadn't, I know because you know, her her current dancers were with her too. Like, is there just like an understanding Mm -hmm. amongst all of you, whether you were on the 1990 tour versus the 2001 tour? Oh yeah, for sure. I think, I think everybody was just like, who cares what tour you're on? The fact that you were just a part of it. I mean, and and let's not forget all the dancers that were in the videos that maybe didn't tour with her that, you know, weren't even a part of that experience. They are also included in that. I mean, if she, if she opened it up to everybody that's danced for her, we wouldn't have fit on the stage. Right. So she, you know, she had to limit, <laughs> she had to limit it, but, there's so many other dancers that also are Janet dancers that have been in videos and just, they just didn't tour that we all have a mutual uh, respect and love and bond with each other. Cause we got to work with a great one, you know, we mm-hmm. got to work with her and, and she demands a lot of her dancers, no matter whether it's today, you know, 30 years ago, uh, same she's she cares that much it's never it's never not been there mm-hmm. so I think I think that's what we all share and yeah it is like a fraternity I guess or whatever you want to call it a bond a family uh yeah a rhythm nation family I guess I'd call it <laughs> that's amazing and uh before I let you go what are you up to these days that people can find Kelly Kono because I know you have a lot going on yeah, I've just been choreographing a lot. I just got back on working off of a um, working on a Disney film that's coming out um, called Upside Down Magic. It's for kids, and we were shooting that over on Vancouver Island for the summer. And um, I've been choreographing lots for Legend, the, the show Legends of Tomorrow, which is a CW show all about superheroes. Um, so yeah, lots of choreography gigs that I've been doing here in Vancouver because Vancouver's, you know, there's so much filming here. And, um, besides that, and then running my little, my little studio here on where I live has been quite a highlight of my last couple years. And, um, and my acting, I'm going to be jumping back into, I had to pause it for a little bit, but I still, the last film I was in, it was, uh, what was it called? Tempting Fate with Alyssa Milano, which was 
totally surreal because I used to watch her on Who's the Boss growing up. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, last question before I let you go, what do you want to say to the fans? Because I know that like they love you so much. Like you've just, you've been around. um, You're always so kind. Like I know when I first met you, you couldn't have been more sweet to me. So you always have a special place in my heart. And I know that so many of the other fans feel the same way about Kelly Kono. Well, you know what? I just say thank you for loving us and for loving Janet and for being so dedicated and loyal. Like, loyal to me is everything. And I know the Janet fans are super loyal. And um, I just want to say thank you. And thank you for being so kind to me. I mean, I you guys have made my life and to be asked for an autograph. Are you kidding me? Like that was crazy for me. That that was life changing for me. (laughs) So, and to make me feel famous, like that was my little dose of feeling famous was from you guys. So thank you for uh, letting me have that experience in life. Awesome. Kel, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, Kelly. Anytime. And um, thank you so much for having me back on the show. Perfect. That is dancer, choreographer, teacher, and actress Kelly Kono. Follow her on Instagram, at kkono, and again, check out her website, kellykono.com. Time now for some new music. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. are still very sad that George Michael is no longer with us, so it was a nice gift from his family to get new music from him this week. George's family, as you know, has been very protective of his legacy since he passed away and would not even let a public memorial happen, so it was a great surprise that they let one of the last songs that he was working on before he died get completed and be released in conjunction with the new movie Last Christmas, which was inspired by George's solo music as well as his time in Wham. The song that we're listening to is called This Is How, and as you can tell, it is amazing. I don't know about you, but I get all the shivers hearing George's voice again, especially on a track that we've never heard before. Now, the movie is out in theaters now, and it stars Game of Thrones star Amelia Clark and Academy Award-winning actress Emma Thompson. If you've been listening to The Kelly Alexander Show for a while, you know that we are huge fans of dance diva Crystal Waters, so it is a no-brainer to showcase her latest song. As you can tell, it has a fantastic vibe, a great melody that's going to stick with you all day. The song is called Heavy, and it's about the state of the world that we're currently living in and how it can sometimes get you down. Now, also, don't forget that Crystal Waters has another song that's still climbing the charts, doing extremely well. It's called United and Dance, and that one will definitely get you onto the dance floor. Darling, I know that our love is going cold. It's just something about the snow this time of year that makes us lose our way to say we'll make up. Grammy Award-winning Canadian artist Alessia Cara has decided to get in on some Christmas music for the holidays, but unlike a lot of other artists who just reinterpret the classics, she decided to write an original. The song you're listening to now is called Make It to Christmas, and if we were to remove the sleigh bell sounds, 
she would just be having another R&B hit, so good for her. If you happen to be a fan of Alessia, by the way, she has been on her Growing Pains tour for a while now. It's soon going to be wrapping up, then she's going to be taking some well-deserved time off. She's been on the road for the last seven months. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is Canadian soul, R&B, and jazz artist Catherine Penfold. Catherine has released her latest album called Sweetest Thing, and we're very excited to talk to her all about it. Catherine, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you so much for having me. So I have to tell you, uh, slight admission here, I've wanted to actually have you on the show for a while, and then I'm super happy that it's now worked out, because I, I heard you sing some Christmas tunes a while ago, and I was like, she's great. So oh. so, <laughs> so I'm happy to, to have you on. And just before we start talking about the new album, can you talk a little bit about the Christmas album? Because I know we're getting to that season. So how, like, what oh, kind of experience yes, was that are. to put that, that together? Um, that album came out of a load of ideas before I really knew that, um, my new label or label that I've ever had first one, just in time came along. And, um, I have been really embedded in the jazz community here in Vancouver and some amazing people around me. I came up with this silly idea to do a carol a day on YouTube the year before and that somehow marked me as the Christmas person. So it felt like the best way to follow up <laughs> is to get all these killer jazz people and uh, and to come up with an album. And I just heard the songs again the other day and it's, I'm really excited to be back in Christmas time and like get back into those tunes. And then Just In Time Records came along and they it was already in... The process of being made but they came along and they helped out with the last little, little bit and putting it out and yeah it was a bit of a dream come true that's awesome well it sounded great and you sounded great and i know off the top of this when i intro- introduced you i should say um i basically to me you sound like everything there's soul there's r&b there's jazz so how do you <laughs> describe yourself because there's like a lot going on but it's all working for you I'm, um, well, number one, thanks. That, that, that really helps knowing because I know that I am a bit of a mishmash of everything. But um, I'm starting to really enjoy the term neo-soul because the more people that I find that have that genre as their kind of label, per se, um, I'm noticing that it's those people who have been in the jazz genre who super appreciate and love the R&B genre who are writing in the soul genre. And that is me entirely, like grew up with jazz, found out about R&B and soul later on. And just the two melded together. We, there's some amazing artists out there melding it all. And I, I hope I can fit into the community. So does that mean you're a fan of like Jill Scott and Erica Badu and people like them? Oh, I am bowing right now okay. to those names. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so I knew there was another reason I liked you. And then there's a third reason why I like you, because when I was reading again your bio, I found out that not only were you brought up out east, but then you spent a bunch of time in Manitoba on a farm, and I'm also a farm girl, so I think this is fantastic. No way. Yeah, farm girl. I, I read that about you last night. Okay, good. So I'm glad we were mutually stalking each other. That's fantastic. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit, because I want to know, uh, and, and again, this interview is not about me, it's about you, but I just want to know if, if this makes sense to you, because I know when I was growing up at the farm, I spent a lot of hours by myself. My dad had me on a tractor going up and down fields, doing whatever, and so I spent many many hours by myself. And that's how I, I think, partially became creative because I was sitting there and needed something to do. So I'd come up with little songs in my head and like all these kind of things. So is that kind of where things started for you or did it even start earlier than that? Girl, 
screech. Okay. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you just nailed that on the head. Um, yeah, like my dad, my sisters are quite a bit older than me, so they left home when I was like 12. So when those are kind of the formative years where all of a sudden you're an only child and I had no brothers. So yeah, I was out doing chores in as soon as you got home from school, it was chores or harvest time. You were out there there and we didn't have TV. Um, so like I had my own tractor. Nice. And yeah, like totally you, you figure out I think it brings a whole new level of using a different side of your brain than a lot of other children get growing up. And like, as well for me, the whole woodworking thing, it like, there was always a lumber pile that I could choose from, or there was a blacksmithing little area that I set up so that I could learn how to work with blacksmithing stuff. And like, I think there are some incredible things that kids that grow up on a farm get to go through and learn within themselves that you just don't even realize until later. Amazing. Well, I honestly, I feel like we're kindred spirits, even though we're like completely on opposite sides of the of the country right now. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's One good. day we won't be. Can't wait to meet you in person. Awesome. Well, I, I want you to come to Montreal because I'm sure. Well, first of all, did you ever record here? Because I, I know Montreal is such a hotbed for jazz. So you can let us know on, on that. I haven't recorded or sung anything there, but it is bucket list. Like, I can't wait because I, yeah. So many incredible musicians there and so many incredible venues. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So then we have a date, so we just have to make this happen now. Um, so this great. is good. So now also talk to me a little bit about the fact that, because again, it's intriguing to me that you, you know, I'm not sure how long you spent in, in Nova Scotia, but then again, going to middle of Canada and now completely West, Co- West Coast, do you find living in these different locales has influenced you as an artist? 100%. Um, like I wouldn't be in music had we not started out in Nova Scotia, living so close to Cape Breton, um, learning about the Rankin family, the Bear McNeils, um, Rita McNeil, like all of those incredible artists of the East Coast is what my dad latched onto as a genre that was in our house, which then weirdly enough, when we got to Manitoba, one of my teachers was from Newfoundland. So he and I just joked around that we were the Maritimers because no one else got us. And uh, that is how I started singing was just doing this random, he asked me to sing a song at assembly. And had I not had Nova Scotia and Celtic music and then Mr. May in grade eight and then like the rest is history and it's such a weird combination of things to happen in a life, but yeah, they, they all affect one another completely. Amazing. Joining us on the show, Canadian recording artist, Catherine Penfold. You can grab all of her social media handles by hitting up her website, uh, catherinepenfold.com. And I have to tell you, I enjoy your website because it's very well laid out and also up to date. So high fives on that because... Oh my God, I did that myself. Good for you. Good for you. Because I cannot tell you how many artists do not update anything and it drives me bananas. So I'm super happy that everything is up to date. So talk to us about the album, Sweetest Thing. Why did you call it that? Um, I have always, all albums I've put out, there has been, the the name of the album is a tune on the album. And I really enjoyed that the tune Sweetest Thing has a lot of different meanings to different people, depending on where you're coming from when you're listening to it. And so that to me is a very impactful tune of the album. And then as 
we were creating the visuals for it and you know the it's it was it's my first album with the label so um we're all kind of learning about each other they're noticing that i have a lot of tattoos and things like that and i could tell that they wanted me to go down well they just people who just approach me they see how tall i am they see the tattoos and they think badass or something but really i'm a complete recluse i'm a total star trek nerd and (laughs) like i like woodworking so i don't really see myself in that way but it was really interesting to see what people were presuming of me as being this kind of moody person, um, kind of badass looking person. But then the song Sweetest Thing on the album, to me, being the most impactful to me. And I love the combining of the two because the sweetest thing plus tattoos, it, it's perfectly ex- like an explanation of my being i'm a bit of a junk position and i just loved how the two went together awesome that's perfect now you have to talk to us a little bit too about the fact that you put out an album because this seems to be one of my questions that i have for a lot of artists these days is that you know it's a singles market in the grand scheme of things and i know mm-hmm. some some genres are are well you know formatted for full albums like a jazz artist um, but a lot of pop artists don't bother anymore because it's all about singles so i'm just wondering why did you choose that route to make sure that there was a full album? Was it that you wanted a story to tell, like a full story? It was a group discussion because I, yeah, everyone kind of came forward with the same thought processes. A lot of my good friends in the industry have all gone over to doing singles or EPs. And I knew that what we had been talking about was album and like close as, as full length as possible. I, sometimes wish that there were like 12 or 14 tracks on there or like get closer to Taylor Swift's, what did she have on hers? 24? So when it came to this one, it really, it was a group discussion of what we felt was going to be the most impactful for the genres that we were going to be going through. A lot of people knew me for jazz. So we kind of have been wanting to stay in the jazz vein still, even though what we're putting out is, more soul R&B. And I think in the future, we probably will be moving over to that. I totally recommend it to people. Like it's so much less money. You can put so much more energy into a couple like really amazing tunes. And that has its pros and cons because no longer are people listening to an entire album's uh, storyline from first to 10th or 12th or in Taylor Swift's 24. <laughs> Instead, people are picking out their singles that they want to hear. And so it's a bit bittersweet because I think we're getting an option now as artists to make super um, uh, integral music and getting right to the point with a single song and being able to do that. But at the same time, it's losing some of the conversation that you would find in those older albums out there that listening from the first track all the way through really tells the story. So it's been a conversation, as I just said that like five times. That's but all good. It really is. It has to be what it is that the artist wants to put out. Well, I suggest because you're so awesome, you keep doing albums if you can, because I think that like in listening to the album, because they were very kind to send me like, you know, uh, 
all of it. And so I was able to listen. And I just feel like uh, I think albums are still important. And, you know, for those of us who grew up listening to people like, I mean, no matter what genre, like I'm a huge Janet Jackson fan. So for me to be able to sit and listen to like all of Rhythm Nation or all of Velvet Rope, like Mm -hmm. it is like a journey that you're on. So I think that for artists, if you're able to do it, I think you should still do it because there's fans that do want that. But I totally see, especially in pop, like it just seems like they need to get hit singles out so that they keep staying relevant. And that actually brings me to my, my next question for you is how do you feel that you are being received in Canada? Because, you know, I think a lot of people think that we are just rockers up here, which is not the case because obviously we're responsible <laughs> for Justin Bieber and we're responsible for The Weeknd and we're responsible for Drake and like the list goes on and on. But uh, like, how do you feel about R&B in Canada? Because I know we do have some some artists, like I said, like Drake, The Weeknd, even Alessia Cara. She is super soulful. Um, even Rhea May, oh, who's pop artist, like she's she's got some soul to her. So how do you feel like uh, Canada is with handling R&B and soul? And do you find like you're fitting in? I'm not fitting in well. You're already, I think you're there. I just wondering how you feel about the industry with the type of music you're making. I'm pretty nervous to be completely honest. Um, especially having grown up only listening to genres that I found in Canada and that wasn't soul R and B. And if I wanted to listen to soul R and B, it was a US artist or a UK artist. Right. And so it yeah, I'm nervous for sure because um I'm really trusting that the people out there listening to it, um, are going to enjoy it or, or do already have a preference for these kind of genres. And it really is just putting yourself out there and hoping that someone hears the song and gets kind of struck by it or the meaning behind it. And like definitely Daniel Caesar, um, Charlotte Day Wilson, holy smoke, she's doing huge things. And that is so um, inspiring to watch because I think Canada has such a beautiful strong platform for musicians of any genre if you're willing to put yourself out there so I really hope that I can kind of join them in some way at some point um yeah and do you plan because you know again I I think a lot of people feel like R&B is something that you know goes on mostly in the states um And I know there's other countries across the world that, you know, I think are very receptive to that. Like, I know a lot of uh, Japanese fans, you know, very much enjoy R&B music that that comes out of the States. Mm -hmm. But, like, do you feel like you will ever need to move there? Or do you think you can do what you need to do, you know, in Vancouver? I am very lucky that I um, have dual citizenship with the UK. Oh. um, Because my parents are both from the UK. So, um, that has been something that I've always, I spend a lot of time there. I go there quite a few times a year. And it's something that I would like to tie together. Not so much in the fact that I don't think that Vancouver or Canada doesn't have the stage for it, because I think they do. But in this day and age, if you're not willing to go to other countries and reach out to the broadest audience possible, um, you kind of, miss out depending on what kind of audience that you dream for your career but I have always had the dream of being able to um, go between Canada and the UK um, or into Germany is it because Sweden has some incredible neo-soul artists coming out of it funnily enough as well so I do hope travel comes up in the future and I'm totally ready for the UK might move there one day but right now 
We have a dog that really doesn't like airplanes, so we're staying in Vancouver. <laughs> That's a fair enough answer. Very good. So actually, then I have to ask you, uh, is is Blue-Eyed Soul kind of something that you're obviously into? Like, are you a fellow George Michael fan, for example? Uh, definitely a fan, but haven't listened to it enough. Okay. Awesome. Because yeah. I know that it's crazy to me. So that's my just, homework from this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Before I let you go, I did want to ask as well, you know, what do you want? Because we're fortunate that we have, you know, people listening to the show from around the world. So for people who might not know Canadian artist Catherine Penfold, what do you want them to know the most about you? I want them to know that I'm multifaceted in the fact that when I bring music to them, I want them to feel something in a, in a, in a wide range. My topics are that I write about are I think universal, but also different to different people. And it's always about the story behind the song so that people can connect with it. So no matter where they're coming from, I think that they will be able to connect to the music. I really hope that they do. And I hope they really enjoy it. Awesome. Well, I love you. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. So thank you so much for being on the show and best of luck with the new album and you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this as soon as uh, Nancy wrote me yesterday. I was so pumped. Awesome. Perfect. So everyone, make sure you check out uh, Catherine Penfold. Again, you can hit up her website for tour dates and social media handles, catherinepenfold.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. And a big thank you going out to our guests, Kelly Kono and Catherine Penfold. My thanks to producer Adam Brisson for being awesome. We'd love for you to follow us on all of our social media. So hit up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. And don't forget, you can check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kellyalexandershow. And we'd love for you to subscribe to us. We are on all major podcast platforms. Have a great week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.